0: Just, I just wanted just to introduce uh, Jason by telling, uh, I'll let him tell his story. Otherwise, I'm just going to have a seat. Uh, uh, we, may have, we may have a little time at the end for some Q&A. If there is time, if you give us time, we'll see how that works. But uh, uh, for those of you who are not um, familiar with the Engage Network story, you should be. And if you are familiar with it, it doesn't hurt to hear about it again uh, just because it really is a, a work of God, the whole thing took place as a result of. I, I, joke about it, but it's not. It's true. It was me not getting my way. I, we had this this facility here. We'd done a major remodel, and uh, we tried to take up monies to uh, um, build a, a gymnasium ex- right where the fellowship hall is now. And it was so pathetic. The, the monies we raised was, I mean, it was so bad. I didn't even tell the church how much it was that bad. And uh, I came in on Monday. I was really, really kind of mopey and not feeling good about it. And Kevin Thomas, who was the counseling pastor at the time, said, well, he said, you know, maybe we ought to plant a church. I mean, seriously, he just said it in passing. And it was like I had a spiritual epiphany right on the spot. And uh, I asked him, I even asked him to repeat himself. And he said it. And, and I I just said, I think that's what God would have us do. And I uh, called Dave Heisterkamp, who had served previously under me, and I'd mentored him as uh, as administrative pastor, and he'd taken a little church up north. The church had gone really, really well, but kind it had some serious cons- uh, kind of hyper-conservative, uh, militant uh, uh, history, and it kind of turned on him. And, uh, and he was really struggling and wanting to know what God's will was. He, uh, so I called him. I said, hi. I asked him if he'd like to get together and and secretly work out uh, uh, a plan for planning a church. And that's exactly what we did. We took a whole day in a coffee shop in Webster City, Iowa, and we, on a little yellow legal pad, we laid out the template that we we continue to follow with a few tweaks uh, to this day. And uh, and and Dave, of course, would become our first church planter. We didn't think about the engaged network. We just we're just happy to plant a church, uh, Lakeside Fellowship, which everyone knows up in Polk City is up and running. God's blessing greatly there, and and um, uh, and then of course uh, from Lakeside, uh, I, I was able to introduce uh, Josh Daggett to uh, to Dave, who came alongside Dave for about three years. And from Lakeside Fellowship came Living Waters Fellowship on the uh, on the south side with Josh Daggett who. Uh, hooked up with Greg Pollack, who served with Josh for three years, and that uh, led to High Point Church in Altoona three years later, uh, who were previous friends. And I I should probably let you tell that part of the story, shouldn't I, huh? Why don't (laughs) you tell that story? Okay, there you go. (laughs) Uh, That's a good lead-in. Yeah, Greg and I, uh, actually,
1: we met before we were both Christians. Um, My wife, uh, and actually Greg's wife, Laura, had lived during our high school years with my wife, Leah, uh, because and if you know Laura's story, there's some things there. Her dad had passed away uh, and some things like that, and she um, was living on her own, and she ended up living with, anyways with my, my future wife's parents. And uh, So Greg and I met at high school or in college at Iowa State while the, those two were friends, and uh, before we were Christians, actually, uh, did some, you know, did not do some good things together before our Christian days, and so we had this connection, and I'll uh, remember um, I was doing what a will, what I call a will party, and I guess that kind of feeds into what I'm talking about tonight. In other words, it was a way for me to reach young people was I would do wills for young people. I had this little kit, and, uh, and so it was by Larry Burkett. Maybe you guys remember Larry Burkett, and so I'd go because most young families don't have wills, and then it gives you the chance to talk about death. And that's a great lead into the gospel. And so I'm sharing the gospel, and Greg Pollock, who, you know, I've always known as the drug dealer. I mean, that's what we used to do together. Uh, truth to be told, he says, he's just looking at me, and he comes up to me after the presentation. He says, I'm this close to becoming a Christian. And I said, Well, I don't know about all that theology, but let's, let's talk, anyways. And so. Chuck, Pastor Chuck, uh, had, had ended up opportunity to lead him to the Lord. And ever since that day, Greg and I were like this, um, very close, probably because of our background, but we became very close. And uh, Greg called me up one day when I was working for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, working, doing some work down in the inner city of Des Moines, and asked if I was interested in church planning. Little did he know, I've been praying for about six months about that very thing, and it was a great fit. Uh, and so we went to High Point. And we we're there for about three years uh, when God made it really evident that it was time for uh, for me to, to to move and to move on, and that was when we started talking about uh, church planning again, and we ended up in, in Winterset because that's where we had lived for about, um, let's see, 16 years or so at that point. We had lived in, at Winterset, so that's a pretty short condensed version. There's so many things that happened inside that, but I think it is a good lead-in to uh, what I want to talk about tonight. First, I'd like to maybe share the scripture passage that, uh, that we're going to be, you know, I-, I guess I'm using it as a jumping off point. The-, the title or the-, the topic tonight is called Save to Serve, uh, that the-, the concept of that God saved us so that we would serve him for his glory and bring glory to him by- in our service. And that is the purpose of our salvation, one of its purposes. So I'm going to read from 1 Peter 4, 10, and 11. And I'll pray, and then we'll, we'll dig in. The Word of God says this, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. King Jesus, I thank you, Lord, uh, that you have put a passion for the gospel inside the hearts of uh, of, a Sailorville church. And I think of the blessing that has been born because of it. We mentioned the churches. I think of the salvations and even the testimonies and the stories that uh, we're going to listen to tonight came from a, a sacrificial serving heart that said, we want to use our resources, we want to use our, our positioning to, make, to bring you glory. So God, how do you want to do that? And, and if it's not through basketball courts, then let's do it some other way. So God, lead, guide, show us, and let us follow you're you're leading. So, Father, we lift you up. We ask, God, that you would help us as individuals uh, to take stock, to take inventory of the cost of our salvation, the cost to Christ, but also its meaning and cost to us as we are called to serve. And God, that you would convict and uh, shape hearts uh, now under the conviction of your word, that you would give strength for the service, strength that will stand when the world falls away. The service that we're called to is completely different than that of the world. And so I just pray that you would give us the kind of power and strength that only the gospel of enduring love can provide for us as we do serve and as we step out into this lost and crazy world. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Wait, man, it was 15 years ago, and I don't know if I can sit down for this, because I just get too little rambunctious for this part of it, and then I'll sit down and tell stories later, because I want to tell lots of stories. But uh, 15 years ago, shortly after being saved, I, I found myself in what I would call, and, and no offense to them, but mediocre churches, gospel light churches. And I found myself wondering, is this what Christianity is about? I mean, just... Kind of showing up for Sundays and maybe doing a men's breakfast where we don't even get into the Word of God. And I've, I felt this there's something, there's got to be something more to this great salvation that I had grasped and the passion that was in my heart, and yet I saw it kind of fading and flickering away. And that is when I came across the preaching ministry of John Piper. And I will never forget vividly hearing the message, and one in particular, I believe, it was a message called Boasting Only in the Cross, where he called followers of Jesus Christ into radical, self sacrificing, risk taking lives of service to Jesus Christ, to the King, that uh, to, to abandon the, the, the mediocrity of the American dream, and embrace suffering, to be willing to suffer in sacrificial service to King Jesus, to to make him look like he is the treasure of your life by serving him, and taking steps, and following a path that that made it look like when you got to the end, that Jesus truly was your treasure, and to, to throw away, or to to, to forsake the path of the American dream of which at that time I was firmly entrenched in this path of, of 10 acres in a pond, I like to say, and uh, to follow this broken road of self-sacrificial service in his name. And I believe that's why the Lord directed me to the Engage Network because the connection with me was perfect. I mean, I was just dying to find a group of people that were thinking and acting and preaching and going hard after lost people the way that I desired to. And when I, and I knew Greg was that man. And when he called me, I, I just knew. I mean, I didn't even have to really answer. I struggled with it. And my wife probably more than I about this, this path. But um, we're here. And it was a fit. And I think that's why God led to the Engage Network. And now tonight... I want to call you to join me in the same, maybe in the same way. Maybe you're here tonight and, and the, Christianity is kind of dull or you're just wondering what is all this about. There's got to be something more. And to call you to a single passion, I remember this, to a single passion in life. I remember John Piper saying, you know, it's not the people that are good at a lot of things that make a real impact in the world. He said those that have just embraced or grasped one thing in their life and they devote themselves to it and they go hard after it, whether it's, you know, or maybe you're you know, a wrestler and you go hard after the gold medal or whatever. But I'm saying let's embrace this call to serve Jesus Christ with single singularity, with passion in our lives. And maybe to even begin that process tonight because the church in general has been plagued by this kind of mediocrity. I mean, it, it drives me crazy, to be honest with you. And uh, I, I, I still, um, this frail vision of God, it does start with the frail vision of God and his gospel. And that we would embrace uh, a, a, a pursuit of Jesus Christ and his gospel, his cross, his, his resurrection, with new passion, that we would ask God to uh, work in our ways, that show us the reality of his holiness, the, the depths of his purchase, the depths of his, his love for us in the cross, the, the hope of the resurrection. And then we, by this passion, raise up and embrace this reality of 1 Corinthians 6, 9, uh, 19 and 20 that says this, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? power of the Holy Spirit is working within you when you were saved. It's dwelled inside you, a power of fear, or not of fear, but of courage and a sound mind. He says, you are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. And this world, I remind you, is not impressed with our stuff. It's not impressed with our possessions. It's not, nobody is really drawn to Jesus because of your little nice white picket fence family. And that's just the reality. And I think that's the reality of of church planning that that has made, I think, has made our impact so heavy uh, where we live. Uh, People aren't impressed with our petty little lives. Real conversions, real transformation comes through real sacrificial service of God's people laying their lives out on the line for this for these lost communities and cultures. And when they see that and then they hear the the passionate truths of the gospel, this powerful thing comes along and we have strong, powerful conversions and, I, and, and the people that serve in, in powerful ways, of which I want to share a, a couple testimonies, one in particular of a of a man who was saved at Redeemer and is God is using unbelievably in our community. And so that's the beauty of church planning, is that our goal is to see people be saved. We're not trying to steal people from other churches. We're trying to see people be converted, come to Christ within our churches, and then we can raise them up with this great theology and great passion. And uh, my friend Chad Silliman, I think, is a great example of that. We're going to talk about that tonight. And so... Oftentimes, this is, a, this is a scary road, and so I want to give you some motivation in the way of Scripture before we start talking practically because we have motivation from the Word of God to serve, and so I want to point out a few just Scriptures that I love when I think about service. We are motivated to service because of our gratitude For Jesus Christ in the gospel. First Samuel twelve, twenty-four. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart, for consider the great things he has done for you. I mean, you need to take stock of your of what Jesus Christ has done in your life. And if you can't take time, if you aren't taking the time to meditate and think back, that's why it's good for me to tell stories about Greg and myself. I don't ever want to forget about what it's like to be stuck in sin, to be stuck in drug addiction without any hope, any power to get out of it. God has radically changed my life. And anybody who's been truly converted, there is a testimony of God's faithfulness, and and we should be gratitude. And out of that gratitude, we serve we are motivated by gladness. Psalms 102, serve the Lord with gladness, with joy. Come into his presence with singing. We have much to be thankful for, much to be glad for. This life is just a little while. Any kind of sufferings or self-sacrificial service that might cause us to have to live a little bit out of the way that we would rather give. I, mean, I would rather have the 10 acres in a pond and you know, the, the vacations to Disneyland. And you laugh, but that is... I was serious about that, I, uh, about obtaining these things. And now God has given me so, so much better, given you in Christ something so much better than stuff. Right? The riches of Christ, the hope of heaven, so we can serve the Lord with gladness. Motivated by love, Galatians 5.13. For you were called to freedom, brothers... Only do not let your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. This world does not know. Uh, they're stuck and they don't know what freedom is, and the power of love, this, the love that we've been shown in Christ, it can break the bonds of other people's bondage and, the free, and their, their slavery by radical acts of love and radical acts of service. and so we, we serve and we 're motivated by love. And, We're motivated by reward. Think of Matthew 10, 42. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, that's service. Because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. You know, I look forward to that day uh, after all this struggle, after all this toil of seeing Jesus face to face and hearing those words, well done, good and faithful servant. That doesn't mean I was perfect. I'm a sinner. I'm a wretch. I have struggles. I have tempt... You know, we all do. But we fight, and we fight through acts of service, and we lay out our lives, and at the end, we hear Jesus say the words, and it's worth the sacrifice. And so we set our eyes uh, in a singular passion for Jesus Christ, to serve Him. And we don't set our eyes on worldly pursuits and... The monotony of, of just the drudgery of all the offerings of this life that, that lure us and entice us away from to really knowing and seeing God work. And so that's my call, I guess, to, to set sacrificial service. Now, I want to talk kind of realistically for a moment before I tell a lot of stories <laughs> about how that's played out, I think, at Redeemer. Because I think there's a lot of confusion. And not that um, we have a lot of time to work through all this, but I think a key thing is... We got to grasp our gifts, our our giftings. So the Word of God there, in uh, First Peter says, "As each of us has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace." So he's saying we all have giftings. Because I know a lot of people that come to church uh, and and they're feeling, I don't. You know, where do I fit in? How do I, what, do I really, I really have a gift? The Word of God says, if you've been converted, if you've been born again, that God has given you a a spiritual gift. Now, a spiritual gift, there's confusion around that. You can look those things up. There are some lists in Scripture if you want to maybe do more detailed study. I think of Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, maybe even Ephesians 4. There's, there's liftings, you know, exhortation and mercy and generosity. These are giftings. And teaching, I think, you know, maybe some of you were good teachers before. I enjoyed teaching before. But now that I think God has given me a, a spiritual gift maybe of teaching, but my passion is to teach for the glory of God, to make Jesus Christ known. And so these are spiritual gifts given by the Holy Spirit that, that um, glorify Jesus Christ when they're used. And each of us has one, so we're, we're each without excuse. We have a place in the body, if you're born again today. You have a place you can serve. And you may need to take stock or inventory of that if you're not for sure where those are at. I, Ask a pastor. One of the few things you know. Ask your pastor to work through that with you. A lot of times, there's tests and assessments that you can take, and maybe you have one here at Cedarville. I have one that I direct people to. A lot of times, just ask the people that know you the best. Say, "What do you think my spiritual gift is? How do you think I, you know, what what you would say about me? Because usually, the people that know you the best will be able to spot it out like that. Another thing you can do is I tell people is, "What do you do in a crisis situation? You know, if there's a, if there's a problem, that you know somebody has a problem, what do you just kind of run to naturally? For me, it's a word of exhortation. I'm always, oh, well, I think of a, of a Bible verse, and I'll call that person up, and I'll say, hey, I just want to tell you, this is a word from the Lord, or I'm praying for you in this way, and so it's an exhortation. But some are mercy. They say they want to come around and, you know, bring gifts and do all these great things, and some people want to be hospitable, and they want to have, they say, why don't you come over to my house, or... And, and we want to sit down and just, and just have you over and talk to you. So you know, sometimes those are ways that you can identify yourself. But take stock. Take inventory. If you're not for sure where you fit in the Word of God, you have a part and a place in the body that you need to be using your spiritual gifts. So that's important. But another thing that I like to talk about when we talk about grasping gifts are, are what I call talents. Those are just natural talents and abilities that people have. And I think what what is a really powerful combination is when we take our natural talents and gifts and abilities and our circumstances and combine them with our spiritual gifts, we get a potent formula that we like to talk about a lot at Redeemer. And so I'm also encouraging people to take inventory of their natural talents and gifts. When I say that, it's like things that maybe genetically you're born with. Maybe you're a great athlete or a great musician or a great thinker or a great poet or whatever it might be. These are just things that just seem to come naturally in life. They're not maybe necessarily spiritual gifts. They're just things that you're really good at, math or science or whatever. But also maybe things that you've had to develop over life, you know, that you've had to work hard at and you're you're knowledgeable at or you have an interest or a passion in. And they might not be spiritual giftings, but they're talents and gifts that you've given. And what we do at, um, what I encourage people when I sit down with them in membership Uh, And and as I talk with people and as elders, we're encouraging people to think about where, to ask this question, to take stock and inventory. Where are your gifts, your natural gifts and talents and abilities? Where are your spheres of influence? Where are the things that just really interest you? And how can you take those things, your natural talents and gifts and abilities, and combine them with your spiritual gifts and talent that you've been given by God and create this powerful combination called service to the Lord? within the local church, and it's fun, and it's, all, it's exciting to see, and it, it makes life exciting. This isn't a program, we, and I, I, you guys are the same way, but at Redeemer, we emphasize this a lot, we're not a program-driven church, but we're encouraging people to do this, to take stock of where their life is at, their circumstances, their talents, their gifts, their abilities, and say, Lord, how can you use these things that I have and these interests to bring glory to your God?" to God? And I want you to think not only about um, just even even conversions of individuals. How can I get in uh, in, in to share the gospel with people? But we're thinking about social even transformation in a way uh, of of how the gospel can be used in our our community. That's a question that we're asking all the time that maybe you could ask of yourself. Where is the darkness in my world? So we ask this at Redeemer. Where is the darkness in Winterset, Iowa? As, as, as leadership and as elders, we ask that question. And we ask the body. And it's real easy for us in Winterset. Broken marriages, broken families, and drug addiction. And now we start saying, how can we, the people of Winterset, the people of Redeemer Church, bring the light of the hope of the glory of the gospel in sacrificial service into these areas of darkness? And in that, win the opportunity to win people to the Lord. And so that's the question that we're asking, and that's the question that I would encourage you to ask yourself, to take inventory of your spheres of influence. You know, I I read a great article uh, yesterday in Together, uh, the Gospel Coalition. It's a great um, website. I encourage you to read it. It says, we need more Wilberforces. If you don't know who William Wilberforce is, one of my heroes of the faith, a great movie called Amazing Grace. You should watch it, rent it. But he, he, he felt this struggle, this call, that should I be a pastor, or should I just be a politician? And in the article, he's encouraging people to say, look, at, some of you have passions for politics or social you know, justice and things like this, so this. Those aren't bad. They're not going to save anybody. But through those opportunities, people can be saved. And that we need Christians to be influencing as doctors and lawyers and politicians. And I love William Wilberforce because he was encouraged by John Newton, the writer of Amazing Grace. He said, I think you should be a politician. And and he agreed that that was where his interests and talents and gifts were best be suited. You think he should be a pastor. I mean, that's where it's at, right? No. And he transformed culture by passing and, and changing the laws of slavery in Britain. And he made a huge impact for the gospel. And so I want to encourage you to take inventory. Take inventory of, of where you're at and where your spiritual gifts are, where your interests are, and where your talents and gifts and abilities. And I want to share a few stories in closing about how that, because we, we're pushing this all the time. I mean, this is a big deal to us. This is how I think you, this is how you plant churches. This is how we got to ask these questions. because People aren't just going to show up at Redeemer Church. We got to be engaging the world that we live in. And so, in, in getting out of this um, program mentality. And I'm going to give you a few uh, examples, and I'm going to have Chad come up as well in a second here. For instance, Josh Henry is, uh, was a core group leader. Uh, that means he was part of one of our initial nine families that helped start the church, Redeemer Church. Josh Henry, I call him, the, uh, he's the mayor of Winterset. He's like our Fred Hoiberg. You guys all know Fred Hoiberg. I mean, everybody loves this guy. He was the star basketball player. They got the list of basketball records. He's on like every one, most three-pointers, most points in a game, most points in a season. Everybody knows who Josh Henry is. They love him. He's adored. Josh Henry has influence. He's a teacher. He's a head basketball coach. And so Josh Henry also has a passion for evangelism and for the gospel, and for young people. And so the natural tendency is to say, hey, we'll start a youth group, right? That's what churches do, we start youth groups. But that wasn't the best thing, and so thinking about transforming and engaging and reaching a culture, here's what's going to happen. If we we start the Redeemer Church Youth Group right off the start, guess what's going to happen? We're going to have about 15 Redeemer families That all know each other and the kids. And don't get me wrong, we'll reach some people. We'll get a few visitors here and there, and they'll invite their friends. But if we start Fellowship of Christian Athletes, that doesn't have Redeemer's name on it, but who cares, right? Who cares? It's not about a program. If we start Fellowship of Christian Athletes and Josh Henry now is in the school and he can post his posters all over the school and he can you know go in classrooms and he's meeting kids in the hall and he's inviting his basketball players, suddenly you got 60 or 80 kids showing up at the Fellowship of Christian Athletes here in the gospel. And so Josh Henry would be a great example of somebody who used his gifts and talents, his passion. He's got, a, he's got a heart for teaching, and he's got a heart for the gospel. It's a spiritual gift that he's been given, and he uses it passionately. And he's also got the influence of a teacher, and he took those two things, and we created a fellowship with Christian athletes, and it's been a huge blessing to Redeemer Church and kids coming through the door and, and, and relationships built with parents and things that say, yeah if I'm going to go to church, I think I'll go to that church. I know Josh Henry and I know these guys and it's given me opportunity. And so a great example, uh, Josh Henry. Another one would be uh, Corey and Valerie Uitzler who came to me and said, we got a passion for kids, young kids. you know So hey, well, let's start shine, right? Let's start shine. That's not what we said. They, they had a heartbeat, they had a passion, they loved the gospel, they loved Jesus, and they want to use, they want to reach the, the hurting kids, the, the broken kids in our community. And so what we did was we started praying about it, we started thinking about how can we use these things. And so the, instead of calling in another Redeemer Church after school program, we've reached out to Freedom for Youth. Maybe you're familiar with Freedom for Youth. When we reach out to Freedom for Youth, now all of a sudden the name's taken off. And so now the school's involved and people in the community are involved. And to be honest with you, it was too big of a program for Redeemer Church to take on at that time anyways. We couldn't demand that thing. And so other churches are getting involved. Uh, but the, the bottom line is, is that they're the sphere of influence. They're the ones, uh, you know, interacting with the kids. They, they become like a a missionary family to these, to these—they're loving on these kids, and now all of a sudden we got 40, 50 kids every day coming to Freedom for Youth. Again, it's not Redeemer, but it's all the Redeemer people there interacting, teaching. It's it, its the same thing, but now we've we've reached a, a community, and it, it, the name, the the reputation that's come uh, it, within our community uh, through Freedom for Youth is just—it's been tremendous impact for us at Redeemer. It's, it's created all kinds of opportunities to reach parents, the parents of these kids, and other and, and people who want to come and volunteer, people from the community. And so it's been a great opportunity. But I, but I want to take a few minutes, and I'm running out of time. Uh, Chad, if you'd come up. Uh, this is Chad Silliman. And this is where I say it's great. to Why you plant churches to see people saved, because then you can see them transformed, and you can shape them and mold them, right? It's a beautiful thing. Chad and I lived next door to each other for probably 15 years. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. And Chad, just I'll, you know, I'll put it out there. I'll share your testimony for a little bit. Chad was probably uh, he was the the meth dealer of our community. Just put it that way. I mean, everybody knew if you needed something, you go to Chad. Uh, he had a little garage, and I I used to practice, when I was preaching in these little Baptist churches all over. I would, I would be up till like one in the night practicing my sermon, and I'd walk around at one o'clock in the morning practicing my message out loud. And I'd drive by Chad's, and there'd be guys in bicycles going in and out of Chad's garage. I'm no fool. I've been around the block. I knew what was going on. Everybody did. And, uh, and uh, I knew Chad's story. Uh, shortly after we started um, Redeemer Church, Chad's family reached out to me. They kind of knew my background, and uh, We had a, you might call an intervention with Chad. I had done a lot of the homework on the front back on the front side for Chad, for without you knowing it, with the family preparing them for what this intervention thing. We had set up a program with Teen Challenge. We had everything ready to go. All we had to do was say, Chad, this is what help looks like. And uh, you know the family was scared. There was a lot of tears shed. Uh, but that was the start of Chad being, uh, he, he embraced it, the intervention. Uh, this is, you know, I'm talking 40 years of various addictions, 15 years of meth, right? Yeah, 15 years. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and notorious <laughs> in our, for that. And uh, Chad embraced it. He was saved and converted in that process. Came back into Redeemer and hungry, Hungry to serve, hungry to learn. And we've had a chance to shape and mold Chad. And, uh, and you're all familiar probably with the refuge ministry. It's a very important ministry within Redeemer. Another one we could talk about that's made a huge impact in our community. But Chad, uh, with his background and now with his passion for Jesus, and, with, and now he's, he's a single guy and he wants to live his life and, and live his life for the Lord. And we have these guys coming into our church that have a drug addiction, and they don't have any place to go, and their families are sick of them, and so what are we going to do? Where are they going to go? Well, they go to Chad's house. He's our, he's our guy. We, we send him there. And Chad takes him in, and he loves on him. They do programming. They're doing Bible studies every night. And it's been a rough road. I mean, I, you know, I mean, we've had, you've had three guys in and three guys out in the last six months. But Chad's... Uh, making, you know, he's he's pouring out his life and his heart, his stuff. He's saying, God, I got a house, you know, use it, you know. I got this background, use it. I got, and I want to use it for the glory of Christ. And so, Chad, I'm going to give you, we got probably just a few minutes. I don't know if you got anything to say Uh, as we close up.
2: All right. I just want to say, uh, first of all, thank you. Thank you for, uh, to God for saving my life and uh, for Jason and Redeemer Church for All they've done, uh, it goes a lot further than just meeting or seeing him coming down the street and me running for the house. When uh, he'd hold his Bible like this, I'd see him coming in the middle of the day or whenever. I I was gone. He'd scare me to to death. But uh, yeah, what what can uh, God do for a man like me? I I tell you, I was uh, completely to a point where I was lost, broken, out of options. Uh, lost everything, lost my house, my wife, my kids, uh, my son would tell me don't uh, don't even bother coming around. Uh, so that's where I was at, you know, and and thank God and uh, thank uh, Teen Challenge for uh, changing my heart. It was a, uh, had a pretty hard heart. I had a lot of things that I was holding on to and uh, it was just uh, to get that stuff out and deal with it and to to see some hope and uh have a little a little direction that i never had in my life before and uh, it wasn't easy but it's it's all been worth it it's been about three years now and uh praise god for that and i just say that uh today i'm completely set free of my addiction and uh And I, I just really, uh, I do desire, like Jason said, I do desire to help people that have the same similar struggles that I've had. Um, it's hard for me to sit there and try to help somebody when I know exactly where they're at and what they're going through. I, if I had a magic wand, I could make their life a lot lot quicker, a lot easier. But, uh, man, just uh, praise God for where I'm at today. And Amen. thank you, and thanks for listening to me.
1: Amen. Uh, in close, I, I, I just want to remind you that you know it started with the bad basketball uh, idea, you know, but these are the, this is the fruit I think of of what's happened, uh, you know, seeing people get saved and now seeing Chad pour his life out in sacrificial you know service. Uh, in ministry. You know, we were talking on the way over. It's been a hard six months since Chad's been all kind of all in with the refuge stuff and really serving these guys that are struggling. That's a hard ministry. I mean, these guys are on a roller coaster ride, which he knows all about, which makes him perfect for it. But we trust the Holy Spirit. Amen. As you said, Amen. the Holy Spirit changes lives. And so when we serve, we don't, you know, sometimes you want to give up. But that's when we have to trust the power of the gospel. It's the God's power that changes. We just have to be willing to step out and to serve. And so I want to thank Saterville Church because this wouldn't all be happening had you not been self-sacrificial in desiring to plant churches but financially supporting us and making it happen. We wouldn't be here without you. So thank you to you as well, and let me pray. Father, I thank you for uh, just the opportunity to come and share. I thank you for this church, I pray. That you would keep your favor upon Saylorville and upon the Engage Network. That you would allow us to plant churches that continue to have a passionate heartbeat for the gospel and willing to, and through sacrificial service to the communities that we are engaging. That you would continue to allow us to see people saved and converted and to keep this process, uh, this, this going on and on for decades and centuries. It's in, until the Lord's coming, it's in Jesus' name I pray, Amen. Amen.
0: Hey, stay stay up here, guys. I want to just uh, we got a couple more minutes. And Chad, I'm fascinated. Thanks for sharing your story, and uh, and thanks for letting him talk a little bit here, Jason, on his story. When we hear somebody, uh, when we when we hear of the fruit, it's one thing, and then to see the fruit of of uh, you know Redeemer Church, it really blesses, doesn't it? Bless you to see the fruit of the. Labor down there, and, and uh, Chad. I mean, uh, what if Redeemer Church just never showed up? Where would you be right now? Uh, it'd be
2: hard to hard to say. Give him his microphone. Mm-hmm. it would be hard to say where I'd be for sure. I know there was uh, Jason was just getting started, and it was uh, he would work nights doing his accounting that he would do, and and we would get together. Sometimes it'd be eleven o'clock at night, you know, mm-hmm. when he when he got his family to bed or whatever, but. And then there was, uh, when they were up on the square in that little building you had rented, and yeah. it was. Uh, I showed up there and uh, C.J. McMurray's wife, Misty, she ran into me one night there and she was like just shaking her head, you know, and if it wasn't for a place to go like that, you know, and uh, for Jason to be there to, to listen and he knew, yeah. he listened and uh, he led me the direction I needed to go, you know, and I think there's a couple options he laid out there, but I was pretty sure which one they wanted me to, yeah. wanted me to take. So, well,
0: well, part of our theme is saved to serve. And of course, Jason, you've talked a little bit about this. So tell us a little bit about, I mean, Jason, you talked a little bit about it, but let's hear it from you, Chad. What? Tell us about what you're doing to serve the Lord now that you know him.
2: Um, well, my heart, I, I guess, is in helping people that, that have struggled like me and, and let them know that there is a way out because I struggled for my whole life, trying to understand and figure out what, um, quote, normal people, if you want to call it that, or whatever, what to do outside of the drugs and alcohol yeah. that I was tied up in, and and there is hope, and there is direction, and there is life outside of that stuff, and that's that's where I'm at today. I know, I know that. I live it. I'm pretty bored sometimes, but I'm I'm okay with my boredom. <laughs> you know, I I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that over what I had yeah. going on any day. So, And you've walked away from all the drugs and addictions that yeah, you've had? Yeah, amen. I've been, like I was telling Jason on the way here, just uh, some things that have uh, happened in the past couple weeks around Christmas and that I, I've been completely set free. Yeah. Praise been, the Lord. Have any desire to, to use or sell or do anything with any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, the, uh, uh, the Apostle Paul concluded his first chapter in 1 Thessalonians. He said, he said to them, he said, you turn to God from idols Amen. to serve the living and true god Amen. and we are saved to serve Amen. uh so yeah are, are you working with young people then have you have you had that chance what's going on there what kind of
2: it's mostly the three guys thinking. yeah yeah there's uh some people that i work with just you know through social media or mm-hmm. or whatever but uh as far as my house goes i've had three guys live with me and i haven't I wouldn't want to say that I've had great success, but I've had—I've yeah. had, uh, impacted their lives, and I yeah. know what it looks like yeah. to live outside of that—that that realm that they're caught up in. You know, that doesn't mean that they don't go back to it,
0: yeah.
2: for a little while, because right. that's what we do. We right. just keep returning back to what CJ's famous Bible verse is.
1: Uh, the dog returns to his vomit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. That, that, is, is life. that is what the scripture yeah. said. But that's usually that's talking to somebody whose life hasn't been redeemed. Although yeah. redeemed people will right. oscillate that way right. sometimes. Right. And a consistent testimony from somebody like yourself, Chad, would yeah. be uh would be greatly used, the Lord, many individuals I know with all the drug use that's going on down your yeah. neck of the woods.
1: I've been encouraged by
0: Chad because um you know when you when you say, okay, let's do this,
1: you know, I worry, you know, like you said, him relapsing, you know, is he strong enough, is, yeah. he, is he mature enough to handle this, because it's yeah. a tough ministry, yeah, man, and yeah. I've been super impressed by his maturity, um, which I think is, relates to the depth of the gospel that he's understanding, and, and his maturity in helping these guys, and not getting so frustrated, it'd be real easy to quit on these guys, because it's a tough ministry, so cool. it's been neat to watch him uh, mature, you know, and be Amen. mature, so. Amen.
2: Yeah, it's been good for me, too. Yeah, to mature yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best, yeah.
0: best way to grow. Well, thank you, both of you. Let's, uh, let's uh, thank the Lord for Chad and Jason. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you for coming up here and serving. Appreciate it very, very much. Just uh, as we close it up, just I want you to just take, I mean, of course, Jason gave us an admonition earlier on as he spoke to us, and we are saved to serve. I was super encouraged uh, this morning, and I'll call them out. Uh, Randy and Pam Bubey uh, came in this morning, and uh, they were sitting with a young man. I mean young. He's like 19, wasn't he? A uh, 19-year-old man. Never been to church uh, before. Uh, they, he served them at a restaurant last night. And uh, so through whatever series of circumstances the Lord provided for them to share a little bit with him, invited him to church, he came for the first time. Has no church experience, but he just sort of drank it all in. And, uh, and, and that, that was a real highlight for me this morning to meet him and, to just, and, and not just to meet him as a new opportunity, a new potential, you know, a gospel opportunity, which you guys have already started. But I'm super encouraged by you taking that opportunity. And it kind of goes back to what Jason was saying, having that passion to continue to just take what's inside of us and give it out. So, so in whatever areas, and the other thing Jason said, giftedness, we're, all, we're not all evangelists, I get that. And uh, and so, but God has saved us so that we might serve Him. And really, I don't know about litmus tests and things like that. But Jason actually mentioned the three passages of Scripture, and I'm going to I'm going to reiterate them before I pray. And they are First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, and Ephesians chapter 4. All have lists, and of course the passage in Peter. Uh, basically says that we all have been gifted in some way. So, uh, first of all, be encouraged by that. If you truly are born again, you have the Spirit of God living in you. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, you have been gifted. You have at least a gift, if not more than one gift. And I also appreciate what you said about Driving hard, I think you're you quoting Piper about you know after that one gift. So if God's given you the gift of mercy and it's really, really evident, and I would encourage you read through those lists, really meditatively read through those lists, and pray over those lists from those three passages, and ask God, the Holy Spirit, to reveal to you if it isn't already ridiculously obvious. And I really think it is. I mean, if you're walking with God, it'll just become sort of ridiculously. Obvious. I think the gifts of God are. Uh, I think the Greek word is uh, 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 I can't remember. Thanitas, I think, is whatever. But it means be held up to a light. They're obvious, in other words. So, uh, like I said, if you're if you're one who has the gift of mercy, it'll be very clear. Administration will be very clear, and etc. Teaching it'll be very clear. Uh, don't pursue areas just because they're cool or sexy. Uh, That's, you pursue the areas that God's leading you uh, to serve. I mean, I've seen, uh, uh, there's a passage of scripture in in the book of Proverbs, chapter 22, and verse 30, that says, uh, there are certain things the world cannot hold up under, and one of them is a servant when he reigns. Have you ever read that? And I think that's a person out of place. That's a person who's, who's pursued an area that they're not very good at. You may be teaching or pastoring, and you're not really called to that necessarily. But we're all called, and we're all called, that is those of us who know Jesus, to serve. And so I urge you to figure that out, and then plug yourself in. There are dozens and dozens of areas in this church for you to serve, and I urge you, if you're not already, because I know many of you are, uh, to plug yourself in. So thank you once again, Jason. And uh, Redeemer Church, we praise the Lord for what God's doing there. Let's have a word of prayer and, uh, and we'll be done. Thanks so much, our Father, for the opportunity to be able to hear from Jason Gerwell and uh, for Chad and for what you're doing there and Redeemer Church. Thanks for that uh, obvious example of, of your saving grace and empowerment there. Bless him, his ministry, and the various ministries that are going down there in Winterset and all of our church plants. And bless us, Lord, and challenge us, Lord, with the truth that we, uh, we have been saved to serve you, the living and true God, and to wait for the return of his son, not lazily, but actively, and for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.